Here's a quick word from our football educational partners over at the Scouting Academy. Listen, we've said it all the time. If you love the analysis and you're passionate about football, then you really need to check out the Scouting Academy. Whether you're a football coach, aspiring writer, or even aspiring football agent, the Scouting Academy is really a perfect place for you to learn and develop your skills as an analyst. With curriculum that spans over 375 years of coaching and personnel experience, the Scouting Academy offers you a 16-week online course that you can tailor and build to meet your needs and your interests. Whether you're learning about wide receivers or defensive linemen, you can make the experience what you want it to be. Listen, I've said it to you on this podcast many times. I've spent my own money, my own time, and time away from my friends and family because I am just this passionate about this game. And the Scouting Academy is the place where I really feel like I've learned the most I've ever learned about the game of football. It's made me a better analyst. It's made me a better person in terms of the coaching I do on the field. I can't say enough great things about it. If you have any questions about the Scouting Academy, please don't hesitate to reach out to Dan Hatman on Twitter or reach out to the Scouting Academy online via email. I'm open to all questions as well. Heck, I'm still even a student there myself. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I really think that once you learn all the tools and gain the knowledge that they have to offer, I really think you're going to be absolutely excited about the game of football again. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and joining me to recap night two of the NFL Draft is Mr. Bill Ladin. Bill, welcome back to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate you uh, having me on. I'm really excited to talk a little NFL draft. Yeah, obviously night two in the books, rounds two and three of the 2019 NFL draft are complete. We have a whole lot to digest, break down and talk about a lot more offensive skill players to kind of discuss and just an overview of the entire two rounds that took place tonight. So similar to how I did uh, the last night's round one recap with Jake Anderson uh, from DLF, I'll kind of rattle off, you know, intervals of picks, maybe five to eight picks, instant thoughts, you know, one sentence, two sentence from me. And then I'll kind of shoot it over to you. Anybody from that group that kind of piques your interest, whether it's people on the IDP side, any of the skill players, and then you can kind of just open it up and we'll go back and forth like that. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, so let, let's right at the top, the Arizona Cardinals uh, at pick 33 selected cornerback Byron Murphy from Washington, one of the top corners in this class, a little undersized, but good athleticism, fluid movement skills, good instincts, closing speed, and techniques, good cover and ball skills, physical for his size, can play outside or inside. So that was a really solid pick. At 34, the Colts won cornerback, Rocky Sin from Temple, physical, strong, Good play strength. You know, you see that the ability to uh, press outside corner, got good cover skills. I like his closing burst and quickness. That was a rock solid pick. I thought he could have went in round one. 
the Jaguars then traded up to pick 35 and selected offensive tackle Jawan Taylor. Great value. There were some people who thought he, he was going to be the pick at seven in round one, but some injury concerns kind of dropped them to round two, reminding me of when they got Miles Jack the same way. Plug and play, right tackle, great length, great play strength and power, immediate starter, upgrading that offensive line tremendously. At pick 36, the 49ers selected Debo Samuel, one of my favorite picks of the night. Average size, but good compact frame, good athleticism, separation quickness, good route runner, dominated at the senior bowl. To me, he's a blend of Jarvis Landry and DJ Moore. I love his upside, and I love the landing spot there for the 49ers. I picked 37, Panthers traded up, took offensive tackle Greg Little. Once was looked at as a first-round pick, uh, kind of fell to day two, but it's a three-year starter. He's got good athleticism to play left tackle. He's got great length and play strength, upgrades that line right there. And then the Bills trade up, uh, and when once the Bills traded up, they're looking to solidify the O-line, and they took offensive lineman Cody Ford, great size, three-year starter, left tackle, uh, good athleticism, more of that mauling power right tackle, not a guy you're going to use too much in like a zone running scheme, more of that gap power scheme. So right there, Bill, any thoughts on that early group of picks there to kind of kick off round two? Well, first and foremost, as you know, I'm an Arizona Cardinals guy, and I really thought that they were going to go O-line there. There was a couple of guys that I liked, but you can never really have too many good corners. And Byron Murphy was one of my top two corners along with uh, Greedy. Um, so I was pretty uh, happy with that pick. I think that it solidifies what is probably a, a, a middling secondary uh, from a corner standpoint. I mean, obviously we have Patrick Peterson over there, but after Peterson, it gets a little shallow. So I, I did like that pick. Um, other than that, probably Debo Samuel's the one that that uh, stood out. He's one of my risers the last few months uh, at, after the uh, end of the season, the Senior Bowl, and and he just really his stock has been rising for me. The more and more I watch him, I, I like your comps. I also think he's a little Golden Tate-esque. I think he's going to be great in the open field. I think he's going to be a yak guy, and uh, I really like his fit in that scheme. Uh, I didn't really see any reaches there. Um, you know, it, it seemed pretty pretty reasonable for, for the positions that each uh, team picked. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, and I and I like that Golden Tate to Debo Samuel comp as well. I really like the landing spot there. I think him and Dante Pettis, really versatile wide receivers that complement each other really well. I think that Kyle Shanahan offense, you're going to see Debo Samuel really shine. They took another offensive skill player we'll get to in a little bit later that I think is another versatile chess piece there as well. So kind of interesting to see how that offense is coming together. But back to the draft. Pick 39, the Buccaneers selected cornerback Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan. Good size. Needs to add a little bit to his frame, but he's got good athletic skills and movement skills. He's got good length, average cover skills, but good ball skills, press corner. He's a guy that was really elevated and rising in the draft stock. There was even some buzz that he can go late round one. So this is kind of the range that I think he was going to come. A little bit questionable that he was taking over Greedy Williams, who had to wait a little bit longer. At pick 40, Oakland Raiders also took a cornerback. That was Trayvon Mullen out of Clemson. Good size, average frame, good athleticism, quickness, and movement skills. He's got ideal length, cover skills, starting outside cornerback who can play press. He's got some functional instincts and techniques, so those are some areas he can refine a little bit. The Broncos, after trading down, selected 
Right tackle, Dalton Risner from Kansas State. I love this pick. I was hoping the Giants, if they didn't trade their uh, pick 37 to move up last night, we're going to be targeting this guy. Mean, nasty, physical, versatile to play, center, guard, or right tackle. So really like that pick a lot. And then the Broncos trade up, and they select quarterback Drew Locke out of Missouri at pick 42. So if you put that into perspective, there was talk that they were going to take him at pick 10. They get him at 42. I mean, that's 36 picks after the Giants selected Daniel Jones. Absolutely stunning. Elite arm talent. Reminds me a little bit of Matthew Stafford. I also can see the comps stylistically to how he plays on the field to AJ Cutler. I've heard some Derek Carr stuff, but I think he shows good touch also at times. He's got to be more consistent, especially with his accuracy and, and learn to play uh, under pressure and show a little bit more poise in that regard. I pick 43 to Lions. First surprise pick of the night, take Jelhani Tavai from Hawaii. He's got good size and frame, functional to above average athleticism and movement skills, good production. He's a good blitzer. I think they see a little bit of like a Kyle Van Noy type player, a little bit versatile chess piece that they can do a, a variety of different things. And then the Packers have picked 44 selected offensive lineman, Elgin Jenkins from Mississippi State, one of the top centers in this class, probably could play guard as well, an immediate starter. A lot of people thought he was going to go last night. So adds, you know, a high quality piece to the Green Bay offensive line. So any thoughts there? Yeah, obviously the quarterback, we had some, uh, we had a linebacker, some more offensive linemen, uh, interesting group there as well. I agree with you on, on Reisner. I think that he's one of the best tackles in this draft and that's an excellent value for them. But then they followed it up with a quarterback that I'm not sure is a franchise quarterback. And, of course, it's pure speculation. But just what I see, I don't see a great decision maker. Um, he almost looks a little Blake Bortles-esque to me. Um, he just – you know, Jay Cutler's a great comp. Um, I, but I just don't see him as a franchise quarterback. Now, draft capital-wise, they did trade up. But, you know, it's not a first-rounder. So um, it's not the biggest investment. But I, I would argue that, for me, they had – Many other needs. They, I think that they can live with Flacco for one to two years. Um, so I'm not sure that I love that that uh, lock pick. Um, Tavai, I'm not a fan of Tavai. I think there's three or four linebackers I like more on the board that I think fit today's NFL, in particular with who they have there in Detroit. I'm not sure he's a great, uh, a great add to that Lions defense. Um, probably the pick in this area for me that, that I think was great is Jenkins. Um, the Packers, you know, as you know, um, they're at perennial uh, contributors every year to, to um, compete. And I think that uh, the running game could improve. Um, Rogers having more time can improve. Jenkins is a guy that could be one of those 10 to 12 year guys that just plug and play. So I, I think that that's the pick for me that I really uh, love in that area. Yeah, I mean, listen, if Jenkins would have went on night one, nobody would have, you know, been surprised with that. You know, he was in the mix there, you know, in that 20 to 32 range. So I think it was a good value pick there for the Packers. At pick 45, the Patriots traded up 11 spots and get cornerback Joan Williams out of Vanderbilt. They love those big, tall, great length physical cornerbacks that's a staple of the bill belichick defense is usually outside press corner so that was at pick 45 the browns trade up the next pick at 46 and take greedy williams out of lsu arguably the best value of any pick up until that point you know if he would have went at pick 17 if they would have held on to their first round pick and didn't use it in the odell beckham trade and selected greedy williams nobody would have batted an eye good size elite speed. He checked off that box at the combine. Obviously there's some 
concerns and questions and limitations about his ability to play and run support, tackle, and stuff like that. But he's one of the ideal corners in this class. Outside press guy, I love the pick there. Uh, it's hard to think that John Dorsey is not one of the best GMs in football with what he's done there. He built up that KC roster. Then he left for the Browns, and he's doing the same thing there. At pick 47, a little bit of, a little bit of a scra- head scratcher by the Seahawks, taking safety Marquise player out of Utah. He's got great size, average frame. He's got good athleticism and bursts, toughness, physicality. He's got experience playing free safety and strong safety. Seahawks usually do their own thing and really look for certain guys that fit their scheme well. Pick 48, the Saints make a big trade up to get offensive lineman, center slash guard Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M. He's another guy like Elgin Jenkins. If he would have went in round one, wouldn't have been surprising. Three-year starter. He's got versatility, great strength and power. He's a plug-and-play starter there. Pick 49, the Colts take Ben Baganu out of TCU. He was a, been a riser in the pre-draft process. He's got the ideal size and frame, good athleticism, the ability to bend and create pass rush is why teams were so interested in him over the last you know, a couple months. You really started to hear him as be a big riser. And then at pick 50, we'll cut it off there for right now. The Vikings select tight end Irv Smith Jr. I've been on record as being a big fan of him. He's actually ahead in my pre-draft rankings. He was ahead of Noah Fant. Good athleticism. I love his route running ability and his body control, his ability to make plays after the catch. Uh, I think he's a very willing and capable blocker. So I don't think he's like an Evan Ingram type. I know some people want to miscast him like that. I've seen this guy be able to hold the point of attack and be a good blocker as well, even though he was he's a little bit undersized you know, for that prototypical tight end. But I like his blocking ability in addition to his pass catching ability. Bill, thoughts on anybody from that group of players? For me, it's the, the class of the class. When you look at a team like the Saints, they always build from the front to the back. And, you know, when you go O-line or D-line and you have quality guys that you can pick up, uh, like McCoy, I think that that's a win. You've got one of the best quarterbacks, arguably, of all time, throwing the ball to a great array of, of weapons. And to add to that offensive line with McCoy, I think, just just fortifies their position to compete again this year. So that pick sticks out to me. Um, and then... Um, of course, we talked about Greedy Williams. Uh, that's, a, that's a really huge value uh, where he landed. Yeah, absolutely. Still stunned that Grady Williams went where he did. Uh, you know, no really reason why. You know, I kept checking Twitter, seeing if there's any reasons why Grady was falling. And there was really no, you know, specific reason that, you know, was said about it. So that's a, that's a bizarre one to kind of figure out what happened there. Pick 51, the Tennessee Titans selected wide receiver A.J. Brown out of Old Miss. He was my number one wide receiver on film pre-draft. But not an ideal landing spot there with that Titans, you know, heavy run first oriented offense they have there. But I love his size, frame, physicality, toughness. I think he's more of just an inside. I think ideally he's a big slot, but I think he can play on the outside as well. Uses his body to create space at the catch point. I like the Juju Smith comparisons there a lot. At 52, Bengals really make a surprise pick. Tight end Drew Sample out of Washington. Great blocking, but very limited in terms of his receiving ability. He's got solid hands to be a check down option, but was very surprised by that pick. 50 for Rita Eagles select Miles Sanders out of Penn State. He was my number two 
or number three, depending on, you know, what I, Rodney Anderson on film alone, I had Anderson higher, but Miles Sanders is pretty much, I knew he was going to go much higher than Rodney Anderson. Love the talent, frame, athleticism, burst, acceleration. He has it all. I think he's still got upside and room to grow because he only is a one-year starter. I love the pick for the Eagles. I know some people thought that Jordan Howard was going to take him out of the early running back mix. I never believed that. This is going to be the guy that's going to be the long-term piece there uh, for that offense. I think he's going to be a pick high demand in dynasty rookie drafts at 54 the Texans take the long cornerback Lonnie Johnson out of Kentucky great size frame length athleticism there was some buzz that he could have been a round one guy at the back end starting press corner with a lot of upside and then at 55 Houston Texans select offensive tackle from Northern Illinois uh, Max Sharping great size and frame four-year starter has experience at both tackle spots, functional to above average athleticism. I think he's an ideal right tackle. I think that's probably where he's going to play for the Texans. And then I'll, we'll end it on this pick for this group at pick 56 Chiefs select wide receiver, McCole Hardman from Georgia while undersized explosive athlete, elite speed bursts, acceleration, agility, separation, quickness, explosive playmaker after the catch can play inside, can play outside, be a returner, jet sweeps, I was on the Harris football podcast a couple of weeks ago and he asked me for a sleeper and I gave him Hardman's name and said, he can be Tyree kill light. And I think he's going to be there to do a lot of the Tyree kill things who I don't expect we ever see play another down at the NFL again. So I'm really a fan of that Hardman pick and the role that he fits there for that offense. So a bunch of interesting things in this group of picks here, Bill, what stands out to you? Well, in typical fantasy football fashion, we have a piece where the AJ Brown's going to be a much better football player than he is fantasy asset. Um, I'm looking to sell my AJ Brown shares. Not that I don't think he has the potential, but in that system with that quarterback, um, for me, the upside is capped quite a bit. So I'll be looking to sell my shares of AJ Brown because I think that there's plenty of buzz uh, and enough optimism that, that there's still the ability to turn him for a, a pretty penny. Um, Drew Sample was the one throwaway pick in this round for me. Uh, it felt like a total miss. I, I feel like there were so many better options, um, so many better tight ends to select from. Even if you want a blocking tight end, they had better options available, I believe. Um, love the Miles Sanders pick. I think that, again, I am a Jay Howe fan. I do like Jordan Howard. He, uh, remarkably, he's only 24 years old. It feels like he's been in the league for six, eight years, but he's only 24 years old, so... Jordan Howard, from a fantasy standpoint, is probably dead, but he's still going to be sticking around in the league, uh, banging around for a while. Um, I, I do like the Hardman pick. I, I actually like him more than Hollywood, and especially for the value that they get here um, at, at that 24th pick in the second round. I think that that's a tremendous value because uh, a guy like that with that kind of speed can easily sneak into the first round. So you're, you're dead on the money right there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be fascinating to kind of see because he was a guy I, you know, was in some, you know, rookie mock drafts prior to the actual draft. And Hardman was a guy that, you know, I was getting it at times in the third round, mid third round, late third round. You know, he was a guy that people had a lot of concerns about. I think now post draft, you're going to see Hardman in everybody's first round of rookie drafts because of the landing spot, the opportunity. Uh, I think it's an, a home run pick for the Chiefs to be able to do a lot of the creative things they did on offense with Tyree Kill. I think Hardman is going to be listen, he's not going to be as good as what Tyreek Hill had became, but I think in terms of versatility and ways you could utilize him and creativity, I think he could 
very naturally seamlessly fill in that role. So that's going to be kind of fun to watch uh, with that one. At pick 57, the Eagles were back on the clock. They took a big wide receiver, but not the one I think people were expecting. I think some people thought maybe they would have pivoted to Miles Boykin or Hakeem Butler. They take wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside out of Stanford. Great size, frame, and strength. Only functional athleticism, I think, when you watch him, you know, in terms of actually play speed. But he's got average route running, but he's elite at using his body and physicality to create space at the catch point, win those contested catch situations, ability to high point the ball. You know, I think he's a little bit redundant to Alshon Jeffrey, so I'm interested to hear your take on that one. At pick 58, the Cowboys selected defensive lineman Tristan Hill out of UCF. Average size, good frame, but really good athleticism, quickness, burst, interior disruptor. Uh, probably immediate starting for retech uh, to try to create disruption in that backfield. Pick 59, the Colts select wide receiver out of Ohio State, Paris Campbell. Really interesting pick here to kind of complement, you know, T.Y. Hilton there. Great athleticism, elite speed burst and acceleration, shows that separation quickness. Again, he's versatile that can be used on jet sweeps, running plays. But to me, he's a better route runner than I think people give him credit for. And he's an explosive playmaker after the catch. He was generating some round one buzz. So the Colts get him 59, I think, is really good value. At pick 60, the Chargers selected safety Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. Good size and frame. Athleticism, really good. Movement skills. He's got that lateral quickness, play strength and toughness. He's got experience at safety and cornerbacks, a very versatile player. And then... Two more real quick. 61, the Rams selected Taylor Rapp out of Washington. He at once upon a time was considered a first-round lock. He tested poor, you know, in the pre-draft process, kind of pushed him down the board. But he's versatile. He can play some free safety, strong safety. He's got average to good athleticism when you watch his film. Really good instincts. Uh, Some coverage limitations, I think, is his biggest question mark. And then at pick 62, we'll tie it together. The Arizona Cardinals trade Josh Rosen to the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins get a Josh Rosen and a fifth-round pick. Uh, I'm sorry, the Cardinals get, you know, a second-round pick, and the Dolphins get Josh Rosen and a future fifth-round pick. Amazing value uh, for the Dolphins in that regard. And with that pick, the Cardinals use it on wide receiver Andy Isabella. A little bit of a surprise pick there, but I thought he could come off the board late two, early three. Undersized, compact frame, but his athleticism is top-notch, his speed, his burst, his separation quickness, and he's not just a slot guy. If, if he's, people are miscasting him like that, I think they're – incorrect in that he's a guy who can play outside can get vertically down the field I think in that new Cliff Kingsbury offense between him Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk they now have some a little bit of uniqueness in the types of ways those wide receivers can win and then also you got David Johnson obviously at a backfield so really interested curious to hear out there what the buzz is with the Cardinals and, and what's just the, the vibe is out there where they all in on Murray, where they did not want to, you know, trade Rosen away. So maybe start there and then kind of work your way back to some of the other stuff. So the buzz in Arizona, I think that the, the consensus is that with the quarter or with the head coach that they hired, that this is probably the right move. Um, they kind of pushed all their chips in the middle and they, they played their hand and said, this is the type of offense we want to run. This is the type of coach we want. And they're, they're, you know, they're hanging all of their um, hats on, on this one venture. So in order to really go for it, they went and got their guy. So I have a little bit of respect for that. Um, there is a lot of criticism 
but it's not the uh, the booze and the and the what the f's that uh, perhaps the Daniel Jones pick uh, got from a lot of fans. Um, I think that people recognize Murray's talent. I think that there's a, a, a widespread belief that he's a talented young man. The problem is a lot of people believe, myself included, that Josh Rosen is a talented quarterback and is probably, um, if he were drafted this year, would be a top three quarterback pick. I think that I'd put him somewhere in the mix with, with Haskins and Murray. I think he's in some areas as good as those guys and in some perhaps even better. So um, the Dolphins, they just basically made out like bandits. So it's not a, a terrible situation, but there's definitely some some speculation. Um, I think that um, the Paris Campbell pick uh, I think is solid. Uh, I, think, I don't think he's going to be a huge fantasy asset like some people think. Uh, I think that his touchdown – uh, capabilities are somewhat limited with Ebron and some of the other uh, uh, bigger guys that they have there. But I definitely think he's going to be a weapon for luck. Um, I, I think that the Isabella pick is a little bit of a head scratcher to me. Um, I thought he would go a little later. Uh, you know, do I like the player? Yes. Do I think it was a little early to reach? Yes. Would I have rather had DK Metcalf? Yes. So, it's not a horrible pick. Obviously, they think that he fits well with what Murray does, um, kind of more of a twitchy, uh, you know, get out there and, and move around the middle and, and look for uh, holes in the, in the gaps, in the schemes, and in the zones. Um, so I think that, you know, that pick's going to end up working out um, in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you bring up some interesting cases. In terms of fantasy production and stats, Paris Campbell could be a guy that makes a really large impact in what – the Colts are doing there. But when you think about how often Andrew Luck utilizes the tight ends, so if Ebron is a big factor, if Doyle is a little bit more of a factor this year, and then you kind of take into account, you know T.Y. is going to get his, Campbell could make a big impact and could have those splash plays, but is it consistent enough, I think is probably the biggest question. I think he's going to get drafted pretty high in rookie drafts because he is attached to a really good young offense with an elite-level quarterback. So I think the, the Campbell thing is a little bit interesting He's kind of in that mold of I don't think people wanted to really look at him as a potential first round rookie pick because it was a lot of those bigger wide receivers that kind of got pushed down the board a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if people kind of react to the draft capital idea. So that's going to be one to watch closely. So let's real quick just round out the last two picks in round two. The Chiefs selected Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. He was getting some round one buzz. He can form a cornerback, starter traits at free safety. Good size and frame, that athletic, move, good movement skills, great ball skills and cover skills. I, I was surprised. I kept thinking the Seahawks were going to take him. He seemed like a very Seahawks-type player. Uh, but they kept, pass, they kept passing on him, trading back, moving around. And they were actually up to pick after at 64, and they stopped the slide of DK Metcalf. A lot of people thought DK Metcalf could go top 10, top 20. I always thought he was more of an early second-round pick. I didn't think he would last all the way to the end of the second round. But I think he ends in, up in a good situation. I know they like to run the ball a lot, but... The news came out during the podcast, uh, during the draft, uh, during the live draft that Adam Schefter tweeted out that Doug Baldwin's career might be over. So they need another big time wide receiver there. I think he's going to get every opportunity to develop, to develop into Russell Wilson's, you know, one of his main targets. So Russell Wilson throws a great deep ball. So I think it's an ideal landing spot. 
uh, obviously elite measurables, elite speed, size, frame, burst, all that stuff. I still got questions about his route running, his route tree, you know, his ability to change directions, but I still think he's going to be an effective player there. So any thoughts on either Thornhill or Metcalf to kind of close out round two? Yeah, I just wanted to get back to Paris Campbell real quick. And, and just from a, again, from a production standpoint, um, they paid, you know, Devin Funches $10 million to come there for one year. So, uh, and there's $7 million in dead cap, so they're not going to cut him. So, and he's not going to sit on the bench for $10 million. They also have a guy in Chester Rogers that played significant minutes last year. They have a guy in Deion Kane that they like last year that I think actually is a pretty solid wide receiver as well. So I'm a little nervous about playing time. Um, I think they'll probably work him in on special teams, get him in on some gadget plays. But I don't think we're going to really get the true Paris Campbell look this year. Um, as far as DK, I think that DK – uh, Metcalf, I, I, look, I've been uh, a little critical of him in terms of um, possibly being a one-trick pony, but that one trick is really good. Um, I mean, his separation, his physicality, his ability to, uh, to muscle up, uh, he's, he's one of the best. Uh, he's a freak uh, athlete, and uh, I, I think it's a great fit. I think his yardage is, is probably capped, but he's definitely going to be a touchdown monster, I think. He's one of those guys that – could threaten for double-digit touchdowns every year. So I really – I think that um, for what the Seahawks have lacked for years, that big physical presence that they could um, have in the red zone um, and stretch the field, I think that uh, Russell Wilson being able to lengthen plays with his ability with his feet, I think that uh, it's actually a pretty good marriage. Yeah, I mean, Mekhev obviously is going to be a guy that has double-digit touchdown potential. That – is for sure there and he does that one trick really well so i think you're right there even if he doesn't show a lot of growth and development i still think he could be a productive player and an impactful fantasy player especially with those touchdowns so let's kick off round three at the top the arizona cardinals i know this is the pick that we were uh going back and forth discussing a little bit on twitter zach allen out of boston college he's got ideal size and frame Functional athleticism, I think that's probably his biggest concern. But his physicality, his toughness, his play strength, I think are all all very good. He's got good instincts. Pass rush, again, I think it's only functional to maybe above average. He's a good run setting, the edge. I think his base ideal spot is a five-tech and a three-four defense. He can probably be a base defensive end and a four-three who kicks inside and sub-packages. I thought he was going to be a Patriot. He just kind of screamed the Patriot, you know, kind of versatile type player that they would find a way to maximize his skill set. So it's interesting to see how the Cardinals plan on using him there. At pick 66, the Steelers were a little bit of a surprise pick. Uh, drafted Toledo wide receiver Deontay Johnson. This is a guy Matt and I have talked about a bunch on this show. We were fans of both Toledo wide receivers. Undersized, but he's got good athleticism and speed. Separation quickness to get open at will. Shows agility and elusiveness after the catch. Explosive playmaker who can versatile play inside or outside and very good kick return and punt returner. There were some people that were saying that he, on film, showed some similarities to Antonio Brown. That was a bold statement I saw from a variety of people on Twitter. But I know Matt and I like him. I know this was a little bit early for him, but the Steelers tend to know what they're doing when they're drafting wide receivers. So I think they'll get the benefit of that a little bit. So that was an interesting pick. 67, I mentioned it before, the 49ers go back to the well for an offensive playmaker and they take Jalen Hurd and Kyle Shanahan after that selection said he can play running back, he can play tight end, he can play wide receiver. And I think that was basically his way of saying he is a offensive weapon 
We're going to use him in a variety of ways, and he's going to be another guy. Uh, I loved his ability to transition the wide receiver this year. I thought it was really impressive, elite size and frame. I think when you saw him run the ball at Baylor, I think him slimming out a little bit for the wide receiver role, I actually think it made him a better running back when you saw him get an opportunity to be a running back. I think he could be an ex-wide receiver on the outside, and he's still learning. I think you could do a lot of different things with him, and if you want to use him as a move tight end, if you want to use him as a running back, I think you can do it. So he's a really versatile chess piece that late buzz that he was going to go early, earlier than people thought, and I think he did. And then we'll stop here with this. New York Jets, edge prospect, Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida, once upon a time looked at as a top 10 or top 20 pick in round one. Poor combine, a lot of red flags in terms of how he interviewed, his character, some other stuff like that. But on the football field, shows good athleticism on film. Quickness, the ability to bend, shows bursts, explosive first step, speed off the edge. I think he's an ideal edge pass rusher in a 3-4 defense. And if he adds a little bit of weight to his frame, maybe he could hold up as a 4-3 defensive end as well. Thoughts on that group there to kind of kick off round three? This is the part of the draft where I start to see where there's a lot of smoke screens pre-draft and, and people don't tip their hands and we don't realize how high some teams are on some of these players. Jalen Hurd is an athlete for sure, uh, but he reminds me a lot of DGB in that his, he's a little bit of a head case. Uh, his head's not screwed on the best. And I just don't know from a maturity standpoint how he's going to fit into the NFL game. Um, he's definitely a tool and a weapon. Uh, it's interesting um, with the type of, of weapons that they have there in San Francisco, how are they going to, to strategize with him? How are they going to uh, utilize him in that, in that scheme? You know, of course, they've got Kittle, who's a huge, massive weapon. They've got some shifty guys that are, that are twitchy and can uh, you know, move around the middle of the field. So what is their plan going to be for Hurd? And Polite, I honestly would have rather had Polite uh, other than over Allen um, just because of the ceiling. I think that his ceiling is much, much higher. Um, you, you hit it on the head. Zach Allen is, is kind of a, a steady Eddie guy. Um, I, I think that Derek Wolf is his absolute ceiling. And I like Derek Wolf. He's a good player. Uh, but, but I think that that being his absolute ceiling is kind of a little bit of a capped pick. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think I think it's a very safe pick. It's not shooting for for a big upside. So I 100% can see that take there uh, that you had. So let's keep this going. At pick 69, the Jacksonville Jaguars select tight end Josh Oliver from San Jose State. He's a guy that's been a late riser. I like his size, frame, his athleticism and movement skills. I think he uses his size well to create space at the catch point. Showed the ability to be an average blocker and versatility to line up in multiple spots. Thought it was a little a little bit earlier with some of the other tight ends like Dawson Knox, Jay Sternberger, and Cahill Warren on the board. But nonetheless, he, Oliver was the next guy in that group uh, that interests me. At pick 70, to, uh, Los Angeles Rams select running back Darrell Henderson from Memphis. Little undersized, but explosive. Good athleticism. It shows you have great bursts, speed, big play threat, but shows toughness and willing to pull down his head and you know run through contact. Shows contact balance, elite college production, inside-outside runner, and a better receiver than people give him credit for. After the draft, Sean McAvey uh, and the coaching staff and GM for the Rams said that they were looking for an explosive change of pace type back to complement Gurley, and it wasn't had to do anything with Gurley's health. 
We'll see. I, I'm still a little bit skeptical uh, to invest that early of a pick, but Henderson is a big play threat. They think they can maybe add a little bit of a unique you know, element there uh, that they don't have. And maybe if they do have to kind of rest early a little bit more and just kind of manage his, his workload, Henderson offers that big play explosive ability. So obviously an intriguing there, I think obviously hurts his fantasy value tremendously, you know, because if Gurley is okay, Henderson is, is, you know, it's one of those things that's going to be very interesting for people to do their rookie drafts early, right after the draft, because if, if Gurley's not right, then Henderson is a tremendous value. If Henderson, you know, if Gurley is okay and he's just a committee guy, well, then he's more of a round three guy. So I think that's an interesting one. At pick 71, the Broncos selected Ohio State defensive lineman Draymond Jones. Once upon a time, he looked like a first round lock, tested poorly at the combine, but he's a three down, uh, three tech penetrator get into the backfield you know he didn't test out as well but on the when you watch his film he shows a lot of athleticism burst and quickness to be a disruptor in the backfield so that that was good value there at 72 the Bengals select Jermaine Pratt out of NC State after the top linebackers besides Mac Wilson Jermaine Pratt was next on my list of guys of linebackers that are intriguing former free safety he's got good cover skills can play either outside position or inside in the three, four. I like that versatility. The Bears trade up and take running back David Montgomery to become their replacement for Jordan Howard, who they traded to the Eagles. Listen, Montgomery's not great at anything, but he's pretty good at just about everything. He's got the size, got the frame, good athleticism, burst and quickness, great play strength and contact balance, physicality, finishing ability, good receiver. The only thing he doesn't have is long speed. So Bears, good pick there. I think in David Montgomery, it's going to be an impact player. The Bills with a little bit of a surprise pick at 74, take Devin Singletary, the running back out of FAU. A lot of hype before the uh, in the pre-draft process early on, but then the combine really kind of pushed him down off of people's radars because of how poorly he tested. But obviously, the Bills kind of like what they see, even though you know really undersized, tested poorly. So I don't know if I see a great fit there. I think he's going to get an opportunity based on the older running backs that they have there. They did this at TJ Yeldon, but he's not a receiving back. He's not an explosive speed back. He's five foot six, so I don't know if he's a guy who can handle a heavy workload in your early downs. So I'm not really sure his role at the next level, but it, the Bills must like him, you know, and think that he can be a, you know, a unique weapon out of the backfield to invest this highly of a pick on him. So that was interesting. Pick 75, Jay Sternberger out of Texas AM goes to Green Bay. I'm a big Sternberger fan. I thought he was going to test out as a great athlete at the combine. He only tested out as a good athlete, but I think he can get vertical, attack the seam, make plays after the catch. Uh, he's a guy that is really intriguing to me. And I think, you know, he's going to be a guy that I'm fascinated to kind of see where he comes off the board, uh, in dynasty rookie drafts, because I think he's an intrigue and at pick 76 Redskins select Terry McLaurin out of Ohio state, Dwayne Haskins said, whoever drafts me, get one of my wide receivers. Redskins go out and do that. I think he's a really good route runner. I think he, I like his play strength and physicality in his routes and after the catch. I think he's got versatile to play inside and outside. I know you mentioned Debo Samuel before a Golden Tate. I see some Golden Tate and Terry McLaurin. Golden Tate, when he was drafted out of Notre Dame and at Seattle, I think showed a lot of what McLaurin does uh, really well. So that was kind of intrigued by that pick. Thoughts on either McLaurin or Sternberger. You got Singletary. We had Montgomery. It was a skill player group there out of the names I just rattled off. Yeah, this was a little bit of a, an interesting stretch. Uh, Josh Oliver, to me, is doesn't fit what they want to do. They want to smash mouth. They want to run the ball. 
And I just don't see Oliver as a willing blocker. I don't see him as an above average blocking tight end. That was a bit of a head scratcher Uh, for me from a fantasy football standpoint. I can't say enough how important it's going to be for people that own Gurley to go out and get Darrell Henderson. He's an outstanding running back. I think as a standalone running back, he could be successful in in the NFL, especially in that Ram scheme. Uh, I think he does a lot of things better than people think. He's a willing blocker. I think he's a better pass catcher than people think. And the guy is just slippery. He's just a bar of soap. His BMI is crazy. I think he's at like a 32% BMI, um, you know, a, a 113 spark score, 33.9% college dominator. The guy just does it all. And, again, he's 5'8", but he's got a thick frame to him. And he just really is, is the type of guy that I think, as you said, if Gurley goes down for any stretch of the imagination – he could be a league winner for fantasy football teams. So um, if you own Gurley, which I do in a lot of places, he's definitely a guy to go after. Um, David Montgomery, uh, I like David Montgomery a lot. It's hard to get super excited about him. I don't know how much better he is than Jordan Howard. I know that might be blasphemous to say. Uh, he's probably a better pass catcher, but they've, they've already got their weapon in Tariq Cohen. So they, they are not going to be passing Montgomery the ball 50 times. So Montgomery's basically going to take over the Jordan Howard role of smash mouth and goal line. So I'm not sure what type of an upgrade they get there over letting Jordan Howard go. Um, and the Devin Singletary pick for me uh, is a bit of a head scratcher. I'm not sure uh, for me, he's a complimentary back. And I think with this draft capital, I think that it's a little bit of a reach uh, for me. There were at least three other running backs that I think would have fit better uh, for the bills. And they just signed Yeldon who I think um, actually has the ability to, to be a solid RB1 for them. So, And the Stur- Sternberger pick, I loved. Uh, I absolutely love that pick for the Packers. I think he's going to fit well with Aaron Rodgers. I think he's got a high football IQ, which fits well with what Aaron Rodgers likes to do. And then closing it out, Terry McLaurin, you're absolutely right. I think he's a little bit of a, a Swiss Army knife in that he, he can uh, run a lot of different routes. Um, he's, he's got um, yak ability. Um, He's just a good football player. Uh, I think he's suited to be a wide receiver too. I don't think he's by any stretch of the imagination, a wide receiver one type of guy, but I think that uh, he definitely could be a nice possession type receiver uh, in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm right there with Singletary on you. I thought that was a little bit of a reach. There was other guys that I thought could have been maybe the, you know, long-term answer there. We'll get to one that the Patriots selected. I thought in terms of what that Bills team wants to do, I thought a guy like Damian Harris would have fit really well there. Uh, so Singletary is a guy I struggle with. I don't see, you know, him as a really high level fantasy viable guy. Henderson, like you said, is, is kind of like you just got a handcuff girly almost with him. So, you know, interesting there. I, I get it. We, I was having a conversation uh, with Brandon Jones, another former S2S contributor about Jordan Howard, David Montgomery. And I think Montgomery is better than Jordan Howard, but I was a little bit surprised that they they shipped off Jordan Howard for what they did. They got back a late round pick. Then they invested by trading up using capital from next year to get Montgomery. I thought maybe the offense that they wanted to run there, they didn't want a guy, you know, like Jordan Howard. And I think Montgomery's better than him and a little bit better of a receiver. So maybe that's the X factor that he's not a guy who can just, 
you know, when he's on the field, you know, what's going to be telegraphed and maybe that's the difference. And, you know, so if he's a little bit better of a runner and a little bit better contact balance and, and shows more ability, you know, to make people miss at times, they don't have that long speed. Maybe it's just the receiving ability is a little bit of the X factor that it kind of, gives defenses guessing a little bit. So Montgomery's a guy who I think is going to be have big fans in the dynasty community in terms of rookie draft value pick uh based on the landing spot and and people thinking he could potentially have a heavy workload. So let's keep this going at pick 77. If the last group of guys I named was a lot of excitement and pizzazz, this group here I'm going to run through not a lot of excitement and pizzazz. So I'm going to go through a little quicker. At pick 77, Patriots select a typical Patriots pick edge prospect, Chase Winovich out of Michigan. I did was great value. He's only got average size, good frame, but that athleticism, speed bursts route runner. Uh, I mean uh, that, that capability to be a good edge rusher there and play a variety of roles for that Patriots offense. I think is ideal when you, when you look at a guy like, Chase Winovich. I'm really intrigued by that pick. Was kind of hoping he could fall right into the Giants' laps at the end of this round. Obviously, it didn't happen. Uh, pick 78, the Miami Dolphins selected Michael Dieter out of Wisconsin. Great size and frame, only functional athleticism, but really technical sound. Good techniques, just like most Wisconsin linemen usually are. Has played guard, has played center, also played some tackle, but he's going to be more of an interior guy at the next level. Rams selected cornerback David Long out of Michigan. Average size and frame, above average to good athleticism, quickness, and movement skills. I like his play strength, his techniques. I think he's best as a nickel corner. Brown selected linebacker from BYU, Sione Takataki. Average size, good athleticism, good cover skills. This is a guy, had some off-the-field character stuff, but there's a lot of people that are really intrigued by his game. Versatile play, a variety of different roles. Hybrid linebacker with with some upside. So I actually thought he was going to get taken on date three. So I was a little surprised he got pushed up to, to pick 80. But obviously the Browns like what they see. At pick 81, the Lions selected safety Will Harris out of BC. He's got great size and frame, functional to good athleticism, quickness. He's got good length and cover skills and play strength. To me, he's a depth-free safety and a special teamer. So that was a little bit of a reach. I thought he was more of a round four, round five guy and see what happens. The Titans selected Nate Davis, guard from Charlotte. Average size, but good frame and athleticism for a man that uh, who weighs that much. Great play strength and power. Potentially be a starting guard, play in a zone or gap running scheme. So I think he's got some versatility there. And at pick 83 and 84, Steelers take Justin Lane, cornerback out of Michigan State. Most people thought he could be a late one or early two, so really good value. Very athletic, got the length instincts, cover skills, ball skills. He can play in a variety of schemes as well. And then the Chiefs take Kalen Sanders out of Western Illinois. He's only got average size, but he's got a good frame. He's got a good quickness and first step. He's functional play strength, can play to run. He's got some pass rush ability as well. Rotational defensive tackle to me, but he's got the upside to become a starter. Thoughts on any of those guys? A lot of offensive linemen there, a bunch of defensive players, so no fantasy spin on anything in that group. But any of those picks either surprise you or you really are a fan of? Uh, I'm a fan of the Justin Lane pick. I think he's an above-average corner. I think that he has to add a little bit more strength to his body. He's a little on the lean side, but I really like his poise on the field. I think that he plays with a lot of poise. He sees the field well. Um, He's instinctive. I think that – 
that Justin Lane is a guy that can work into be a, a very solid corner and, and getting them, getting him in the third round, at, you know, this, in, at this stage in the draft, I think it was a slight value. I think that he fits in well with what the Steelers like to do. And I, I think that, you know, out of all those picks, that's the one that I think actually, uh, actually added some value. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm right there with you, you know, and it's kind of interesting that like, you know, we almost felt like in this two rounds tonight that we almost had these mini runs that were constantly happening. Like, you know, we had the run of where all of a sudden we saw a whole bunch of running backs come off the board. And then, you know, early in round two, we had that cornerback run. And, you know, we had, I kind of felt like we had that in this those picks that we just went through here, it was a little bit of, you know, O-line, D-line. You know, it seems like people were moving around a lot tonight, especially at the back end. You know, and I think teams were looking for their guys and sort of little mini run starting and kind of wanted to jump up and make sure they got their guy. So that, I thought that was kind of interesting and unique. If we get back into it, a pick 85, the Ravens selected edge prospect Jalen Ferguson out of La Tech. Great size, frame, elite production, obviously. Average to above average athleticism and movement skills. Did not test well at his pro day in some areas. But on the field, I thought he got the job done. Good length, play strength, shows the ability to bend. Got good bursts and pass rush moves. So Ferguson is an interesting pick there for the Ravens. I do have some concerns, though, about him being a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think he's more of a 4-3 defensive end, but they'll probably find a way to creatively use him. So many hybrid defenses now as well. At pick 86, the Texans select Cahill Warren out of San Diego State. Good size, athleticism, movement skills. Good catch radius, great length, ability to high point the ball well. He was really a late riser over the last couple months, and he's got unlimited upside he basically started playing football significantly late uh in his you know growing up and he's a guy that's got a lot of upside so he really intrigues me a lot i know they've invested in the past on on tight ends but i think warren is the guy who's the long-term answer there pick 87 like the player i think he's a solid player but stunned with the patriots selecting running back damian harris out of alabama obviously bill belichick nick saban very close Patriots like drafting Alabama guys. He's got good size and frame. I think his athleticism is above average to good in terms of his speed and burst and acceleration. I like his play strength and his contact balance. He shows some agility and elusiveness in the open field. But just I really struggle there. With They drafted Sony Michelle in round one last year. They obviously utilize guys like James White a lot. Rex Burkett is still under contract. So that one's a little bit hard to kind of figure out what's going on there. At pick 88, the Seahawks selected Cody Barden, the linebacker out of Utah. Good size and frame, functional athleticism and movement skills, but he's got great physicality, toughness, good play, uh, diagnosed skills, depth inside, strong side backer, but obviously the upside to develop into a potential starter if they've invested this level of a pick. At 89, the Colts select Bobby Orique out of Stanford. Good size and frame. Good to very good athleticism and movement skills. Shows the ability to play in coverage, which I think is really important. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can play in sub packages and an ideal special teamer. So a lot of versatility from his game. At pick 90, the Cowboys selected Connor McGovern, offensive lineman out of Penn State. Good size, frame, three-year starter. Functional athleticism only in movement skills, but power. Really good run blocker, can play some center, but probably best as a guard in a gap or inside zone scheme. Chargers selected Trey Pipkins from Sioux Falls. Developmental tackle prospect, but he's got great size, good frame, 
shows off well in terms of his movement skills and his quickness and his athleticism. So I like that. And then the Jets, they move up, take offensive tackle Chuma Yadoga out of USC, average size and frame, good to very good athleticism and quickness and movement skills. Also a good run blocker, functional and pass pro. And he's going to be pass protecting for his former college quarterback. So I'm sure they touched and really kind of picked the brain of Sam Darnold and, and, found out whether or not this was a guy that he kind of wanted to help protect his his blind side or from the other side. So I think Adoga is an interesting piece there that the Jets added. Any thoughts, Bill, on any of those picks right there from that group? Yeah, Cahill Waring, I agree with you. I, I like his upside. The only question is they've invested in those assets recently. You've got, you've got Ryan Griffin. Uh, they just took Jordan Thomas, Jordan Akins. So you've got three guys that are, that are all athletic and all have some upside. So when you add um, another guy to that mix, where does he fit in? How is he going to get playing time? So that, that uh, worries me a little bit. And we all know tight ends sometimes take two or three years to really even be significant. So I, I really think that he's going to be a guy that's probably going to get buried. And you, you're hit the head on the nail. I, Damian Harris, I think, is an above-average prospect. I think on many teams he can contribute and be a very good running back. What is his role going to be on this team? Is he just basically going to run goal line and and uh, steal all of Sony Michelle's you know goal line work? He's you know he's a little more bigger, powerful back than Sony Michelle. He's got a little more, uh, I, th- I think, a little more um, power through the middle. That's probably what you know what what it's going to end up happening. So uh, you know, th- th- Damian Harris is a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, I do uh, as well. I'm not a fan of either linebacker pick. I'm not sure that uh, they weren't both a little bit reaches for, for the round. Um, and I do like the Chuma Adoga pick. I think that anytime you have a, a, a new quarterback, uh, Darnold's in his, you know, still in his, he's a baby. I mean, he just barely started being able to order beer. Um, you got to protect him. And I think he's going to make big steps this year. Uh, they want to get that running game going. Um, they made big investments in the running game, obviously uh, p- paying, uh, paying uh through the nose um i think that he's a a big addition you can you can never have too many good offensive linemen so you know really warring i like the player don't like the uh the the toughness he's going to have to crack the starting lineup harris is a head scratcher and i really like adoga quite a bit yeah i mean listen i'm right there with you if damian harris was in buffalo i think he'd be a really intriguing fantasy asset and i'd be kind of excited about him in that power running offense that they want to kind of uh have there so i was a very surprised about that pick uh i'm gonna rattle off here to last 10 get, pick your brain on a couple of these and then i'm gonna put you on a little bit on the hot seat and i want to hear uh some very tentative uh potential dynasty rookie rankings for some of the skill players uh, we'll go by position so you not, not have to create a big board or anything like that but just kind of pick your early brain on on maybe where, where you're thinking about the guys who've been picked right now so at pick 93 the Ravens selected wide receiver miles boykin out of notre dame obviously pre-draft process he has won that great size frame outside wide receiver tested as an elite level athlete great length and catch radius ability to show good body control and make difficult catches but Ravens 
Now, him and Marquise Brown, I think fantasy value really gets hit hard there uh, with the offense that the Ravens are going to run. I think they're going to open it up a little bit more this year, but I still don't see consistent wide receiver production for fantasy. At pick 94, the Bucks selected Jamel Dean out of Auburn. Good size frame, good to great athleticism, speed, and quickness. Very good length, good cover skills, physicality, and play strength. He's an outside corner. At 95, Giant Select, O'Shea Jimenez. Good size and frame, above average athleticism, quickness, and movement skills. Functional to good first step, bend, burst, and pass rush. Good hand usage and techniques. I think he either can play defensive end in a 4-3, or he can rush the edge in a 3-4 as an outside linebacker. The Bills select Dawson Knox. I like this pick a lot from Old Miss. Only has minimal production, but offers great size, frame, length, hands, the ability to high point with good athleticism. I think he could develop into a quality route runner and be a weapon after the catch. Really good blocker as well, so he's going to be on the field. The Rams selected offensive tackle Bobby Evans from Oklahoma. Late three, early four was his range. Good size, frame, experience at both tackles. I think he's going to be a right tackle probably at the next level. Uh, better in zone schemes, good play strength and length. Pick 98. I have notes on over 400 guys. I cannot say that I knew who Quincy Williams, the linebacker slash safety, the hybrid player out of Murray State was. He's apparently Quentin Williams' brother. So that was news to me. So a stunning pick at 98. A guy like that that comes completely off the reservation I sometimes happens in like round six, round seven. But to happen at pick 98 overall was really stunning. Uh, we were I was watching the Bleacher Report uh coverage of the draft tonight and they said that he had apparently a really good pro day and i guess that must have intrigued some teams and apparently the jaguars didn't want to wait and and they wanted to get him tonight before they potentially risk losing him uh pick 99 the bucks selected mike edwards out of kentucky average size and frame above average athleticism and movement skills very versatile can play nickel corner or both safety spots really shined at the senior bowl so i think he kind of that kind of elevated him here pick 100 intriguing pick talk about panthers select quarterback will greer from west virginia i'm a fan of will greer he i had him rated a higher than daniel jones on my pre-draft board i like his creativity his leadership his moxie always thought he had a straddle the line between reckless and aggressiveness but he just kind of had something about him. He had a little bit of Baker, a little Tony Romo in him, I thought, in terms of just kind of his swag and how he played. Uh, thought he was a really good leader that could just forget about his mistakes and felt like he could always lead the team down to victory. Pick 101, the Patriots select Yanni Kajus. At one point, he thought was maybe in consideration to be a first-round pick. Good size, frame, functional, good athleticism, good quickness and play strength. Starting tackle, but could also play guard. And then at pick 102, the Vikings select running back Alexander Madison from Boise State. I reached out to my guest co-host last night, Jake Anderson, who Jake's been a big fan of Alexander Madison, uh, asked me multiple times, you know, what I thought about him. He, I obviously had him a little bit further down my rankings, but Jake, big, diehard Vikings fan, Madison, his guy, ends up there with the Vikings. Obviously, he's going to be the backup uh, to Cook, but he's got good size, frame, functional to above average athleticism, good play strength and toughness, ability to finish. He's got good receiving ability, which makes him a three-down player, and I think that's the ideal, uh, what they were probably looking for there to back up Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is obviously someone that has dealt with some injury issues in the past, so I think they see him as a guy that could potentially be a compliment to Cook, but then if anything happens to Cook, he could handle a heavy workload.
So, Bill, any thoughts? Obviously, we had some skill players there to surprise the Will Greer, Alexander Madison, uh, Dawson Knox. And if you have any interest, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, obviously with the Giants taking Jimenez, if, you, if he was a guy you had opportunity to watch at all, uh, if you, what do you think about him? Yeah, so, so Miles Boykin, I don't really want to have any Ravens on my team. Uh, I, I don't like, I'm not a fan of Lamar Jackson. I'm not a fan of, of what that, uh, that whole situation is going to look like. I know there's plenty of truthers. I like Miles My- Boykin, the, the player. I hate the landing spot. Um, as far as Dawson Knox, I think that that's a great fit for the Bills and what they want to do. I think he's a, a, a good blocker, above average blocker. Um, Jimenez, I, I haven't really had a chance to watch, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, did, uh, I was watching the draft and I did see the highlights. He looked like he had enough bend, um, and, and the Giants have a pretty good track record with with uh, drafting edge. So I got to have faith and confidence in there. Um, Will Greer, I w- I'm with you 100. percent Will Greer, I think after Murray and uh, after Haskins, I, for me, I think he's the next best guy. I think when you're if you're really going to try to swing for the fences, he does have that moxie. He does have that. Uh, he could throw three picks and be down by 14 points and still go in the fourth quarter and, and throw three touchdowns to win you the game. That's the kind of player he is. And I do agree with Madison. He's tough, and, and I had him in a, some college uh, leagues. I had him as a player, and, and he's kind of that grindy, um, dirt worker guy, can kind of do it all. I think that it's smart of the, of the Vikings to kind of have a, an uh, upside backup to Dalvin Cook. He, you know, as we know, he's, he's had injuries, and uh, I, I think that that's a, a savvy pick actually there. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think some of the things that uh, we saw there, I'm intrigued by. It'll be interesting to follow it. Yeah, I mean, the Baltimore thing is a little bit of a buzzkill. Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, two guys generating a lot of buzz. And for fantasy now, their landing spots kind of curtail a lot of that as well. So there it is, guys. Rounds two, round three in the book. Still have... Rounds four through seven, a lot more offensive guys and obviously defensive guys are going to be taken. In terms of fantasy, Bill, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit and get some impromptu dynasty rookie rankings from you. uh, I put uh, Jake last night, asked his thoughts on some of these guys, but obviously we didn't have a lot of guys last night. Let's start at the quarterback position real quick. If it was a super flex league, how would you rank the quarterback? The big four. Obviously, Will Greer is going to be a backup right now. Even Drew Locke is obviously going to be a backup right now. Same thing with Daniel Jones. But is it as simple as the way they came? Is it as simple as Murray, Haskins, Jones, Locke? Would it be Greer ahead of one of them if you had concerns about Cam Newton? What would what would your quarterback rankings look like for a Superflex Dynasty rookie draft with those guys? Well, there's only two that I feel confident in picking. And, and Murray is by far the number one. He, he's, uh, in fact, I, I have the 101 in one league, and he will be my, my number one pick. Um, and it's not because I'm a homer. It's because of the system. They, they've invested in him, and uh, I think that from a fantasy standpoint, he's going to be an above-average producer. Uh, Haskins, I think, is going to be a good pro. I don't know that he'll ever be a top five or six uh, fantasy football quarterback, but I think he's going to be a good pro, and I think he's going to be one of those guys that probably – uh, in the air of uh, maybe Andy Dalton or, um, you know, kind of a journeyman type of guy that can give you some good production, give you some good seasons, but doesn't look sexy and doesn't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, wow people with, with a lot of, um, you know, fancy throws like Patrick Mahomes and, and what have you. Um, and then after that, Greer's probably my, my next favorite guy. 
I will probably look to pick Jones up depending on where he falls um, in rookie drafts. Uh, I'm not going to reach for a guy like Daniel Jones, but there's no denying the fact that he has draft capital, and that means a ton in the NFL. So when you, when you take your guy at number six overall and he's a quarterback, you're planting your, your flag. You're, you're stamping that guy that he's your guy. Um, I think this, the coach speak as far as Eli is their guy, you know, potentially for two or three years, I think that's a bunch of baloney. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if after midseason – uh, if, if Jones ends up taking the reins. So um, after that, there's, there's nobody that I feel confident in. Superflex, um, yeah, I would pick up Locke at some point, but uh, I probably won't get him in any leagues because others are going to reach for him because of the landing spot. Denver's a pretty solid landing spot. Flacco is, what, 34 years old. He's gonna, I think he's going to turn 35 this year, um, which is you know getting up there in age. Um, so I think that people will reach for Locke. I'm not a fan of Locke, the person. I, I just I saw some of his interviews and just kind of watched his demeanor. Doesn't seem like uh, doesn't seem like a polished leader type of guy to me. I'd much prefer to take a swing at a guy like Will Greer. So really, there's only two no brainers that I'm that I'm happy to pick. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and the one thing about Daniel Jones, and I'm on record is obviously not being a fan of the pick. But when the time comes for him to play. In terms of fantasy, I do think he's going to get you some added points in terms of his rushing ability. He's going to be a guy, might not sound a lot, but he might average 25 to 30 yards a game or off a couple running plays. And that's an extra two points, two and a half points, you know. So I do think, and I think he's got the size where he could maybe, you know, again, it's so hard to project quarterback touchdown runs, but he could be a guy that, you know, maybe gets two or three or three or four, you know, because he does, he has done that. I mean, he's had games at Duke where he's ran for over a hundred yards. Obviously the Giants aren't going to put him in harm's way too often, but just naturally as a part of the the game, as, as the game unfolds, I think that could, you know, add into the fantasy realm a little bit as well. If we take it to the running back, I'm only going to ask you to rank the top three because we've talked a lot about Henderson, Harris, and Singletary. And right now, I don't think a lot of those guys present a lot of fantasy value. But right now, Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Montgomery, the way they came off the board, is that the way your running back rankings would look or would it be adjusted? I'm actually going to take Sanders over Jacobs. Okay. Uh, I I like the juicy uh, upside with pass catching. I think that that's a better offense. I think it's a better coaching staff. I like I like the upside with Sanders uh, better. I think that the landing spot for Jacobs was solid, but we haven't really seen much out of out of Jacobs, and I, I feel like he's going to be overdrafted a bit. And I think that um, you know the the, the consensus um, is going to be that David Montgomery. I probably won't own very many shares because. I, I think he's solid, but I think that people will pick him ahead of where I'll pick him. So I would, I would rank them Sanders, Jacobs, Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, I think I would still have Jacobs at one, followed by Sanders, followed by Montgomery and those three guys. But I, I understand the rationale, the landing spot, the offense, the stable quarterback the upside of the quarterback I think makes sense there and I'm a huge Miles Sanders fan so they're probably going to be very possible they're my one two in terms of dynasty rookie drafts uh for me as well both the running backs if we take this to the wide receivers the wide receiver position was fascinating pre-draft I think it's going to be just as fascinating post-draft in terms of rankings because one guy who wasn't even taken tonight and or round one it was Hakeem Butler 
Butler, who that's a whole different story we won't get into tonight. But I mean, he was going one, 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 two, one, three on rookie drafts prior to the NFL draft. And I try to tell people, I don't think the NFL is that high on him. And now I don't, I don't even know how he even sniffs the first round. I think mid to late second round at the absolute best. And that's if he goes off the board early tomorrow. But of the guys that were taken, we've already talked about you're going to avoid the Baltimore guys. So if we kind of push off Marquise Brown and we push off, you know, Miles Boykin, you, you already outlined your concerns about Paris Campbell. We've already discussed that you were going to sell off AJ Brown shares who's making up your top three or four at the wide receiver position right now? Well, and Keel Harry is the cream of the crop for me. And a lot of people will point to the fact that the Patriots haven't had the best luck drafting wide receivers. Uh, it's been since Terry Glenn that they've drafted one that's worked out. Uh, you can throw that all in the garbage and Keel Harry fits uh, that scheme. Uh, he's going to be a very, very good weapon uh, for Tom Brady. He's going to be able to be a chess piece uh, and do a lot of things uh, that they want him to do. He's, he can win at the catch point. He's strong. He's physical. He can work the middle of the field. He's almost like a baby Gronk, really. A couple inches shorter, a little bit lighter, but he's got a lot of ball skills. And, and I think that he is by far the number one. Probably number two for me right now uh, would be Debo Samuel. I love the landing spot. Um, I don't know that the ceiling is super high, but I love his floor. I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to be involved early in the offense. I think he's going to have a lot of receptions. I think that he's going to break a couple of long ones a year um, and, and have you know some touchdown upside there with some of the way that he can work the middle of the field. Um, and again, back to the Golden Tate you know, comp, I think that he's a guy that can, can win in, in numerous ways. And then it gets a little muddy after there. Honestly, if I'm really going on what I really feel uh, based on the NFL draft so far – I actually uh, think that Hardman is my guy at number three. I think the scheme, the system, he, he is not quite as athletic, obviously, as Tyreek. Um, he is not as thick, doesn't have the BMI that Tyreek had, probably uh, doesn't have quite the twitch that Tyreek has. But he's in that system where there's a lot of weapons that can open up the field. Uh, he can catch a ball on a slant and go to town. He can, he can run the go route. He, he can really shine with the quarterback that he has there. So just from a system fit standpoint, um, with the upside there, what we've seen is that's capable in that system, uh, I would have to go with Hardman at, at, as a third spot. Um, the one guy that intrigues me, and I know you, you had talked about it, uh, it's a little redundant with, uh, with, um, in Philadelphia with Alshon Jeffrey, but I really like our Seagull Whiteside. Uh, if you look at what – Alshon has done, he's missed two to three games half of his career every single year. Uh, he's failed to produce 1,000 yards for the last four or five years, and his touchdowns have been sparse. Um, three of the last four years, he's only had four or five touchdowns. So he hasn't been a consistent contributor. He's a guy that goes out there and gets 7, 800 yards and four to six touchdowns. That's not, that's not really productive. Um, from a standpoint of really what you want in your number one guy. So I think that Whiteside is a guy that's hungry. I think he attacks the ball like no other. I think that he's a guy that can go out there and, and really complement what they have going on. So he intrigues me a bit. Um, I'll be looking to try to add him wherever I can. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think the names are similar. I, I haven't really thought too much yet about my wide receiver rankings, but, you know, Harry, 
Debo, uh, Hardman, Metcalf, and Brown in some order will probably make up my five. And then Narcega Whiteside will be somewhere below that. And then trying to fit in these Baltimore guys and make sense of what they could potentially bring, I think is going to be really fascinating. So that's going to be a fun one to follow. I think people are, there's not going to be a lot of consensus, I don't think. And then at the tight end position, how about rank the big three? And I'm just curious to know. Will your top three be the big three that was being talked about pre-draft and now post-draft? Or you mentioned you're a big fan of Sternberger. Will Sternberger leap either Hawkinson, Fan, or Irv Smith in your rankings? So I actually think that, you know, everything is, is based on where you think you can get someone in the draft, right? So you can rank a person, but yet that doesn't mean you're going to reach for them ahead of someone. So I like Sternberger probably as much, if not more, than Irv Smith, but I know that Irv Smith is going to have more draft capital. He's going to go sooner, so I can wait on a guy like Sternberger. So I, I think that uh, Hawkinson is the cream of the crop. I think he's, he's the most polished, well-rounded guy. I think he's probably going to have the most snaps because he's the most uh, polished blocker of the bunch, but there's a lot of mouths to feed there as well. Um, I, I, I would have to rank it Hawkinson, Fant, probably still Irv Smith, but Sternberger's a close fourth. And given where I think he's going to fall, I think I could pass on some of those guys and wait for a Sternberger in, in the late second to down to the mid-third round of a rookie draft rather than have to. Hawkinson and, and Fant are going to go in first rounds of rookie drafts, which is, is rare. You know, we don't see tight ends go in, in the first rounds of rookie drafts very often, um, sometimes in tight end premium. But you're going to have guys reach for Hawkinson and Fant at pick four, five, seven. You're going to see it, I promise. So uh, sit back and wait and, and pick up the, the Irv Smiths in, in the early second, mid-second, or wait on Sternberger and get him in you know, the mid to late second or early third. So that's kind of how I feel. And there's yeah. a lot of great dart throws as well that you can wait. A lot of these guys, I, I mean, I, I, like, I, I do like uh, Josh Oliver a little bit. I do like Warren quite a bit. Dawson Knox has some intrigue. So those are guys that I'll look to add late and just kind of stash them on a taxi squad, you know, in, in my deeper leagues. Um, and again, you just gotta, you just kind of be patient with these tight ends. Cause it's very rare that they come out and produce in year one or two. Yeah, absolutely. I think right now for me, it would be what you said, Hawkinson. Uh, I might put Fenton one, Hawkinson two, uh, Irv Smith three, and then Sternberger four. And then, but, but like you said, I'm interested in Warren. I'm interested in Knox. I think those guys are intriguing. You know, I know a guy like Alzey Mack who's going to come off the board probably early tomorrow. He's another guy who intrigues me. I think he could be like a Christopher Herndon type from this past year. So tight end group, you got to be patient. Like you said, you got to wait it out if it's a deep, you know, roster where you have taxi squads and stuff like that i think that makes a lot of sense to stash some of these guys these tight ends and kind of wait and see their development so there it is bill thank you so much for joining me this was an absolute blast rolling through every pick from round two and round three and then really going detailed here in the in the dynasty spin at the end of the show here uh it was a lot of fun a lot of skill players we knew were going to come off the board uh today and it was fun to kind of pick your brain hear what you're kind of thinking in terms of your rankings i know you play in a lot of different leagues uh always a fun time to have you on the show well thanks i appreciate you having me and just while you're closing i was just curious you know that it's going to come out tomorrow we're going to see the winners and losers paulie in your in your mind who's who's a, a one or two teams that are clear winners in this in this draft so far and maybe one or two that you just kind of shaking your head and 
and just they're not having the best drafts. I mean, I think the Redskins were have been one of the big winners so far. I love what they've been doing. I think that, you know, they're getting tremendous value. I love, you know, them getting Dwayne Haskins where they did and then Montez Sweat. Yeah, I thought they've done a really good job. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit higher on the Broncos draft as a whole than you are because I did think that Locke warranted a pick in round one, and I am not a Flacco guy. So I to me I think he's a, he's a he's a half a year to one year guy and 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 move on and take your shot. So I like what the Broncos have done. I thought they did a good job tonight as well. Uh, there's a bunch of other teams that I thought have done a good job. I liked what the 49ers done in terms of their playmakers. You know, a lot of teams have been pretty aggressive in, in getting guys that they wanted. Uh, teams on the other side, I mean, I got to still start with my Giants. I've, I've been okay with the last two decisions they did, the DeAndre Baker uh, I was a fan of, and then the prospect tonight, Jimenez, uh, are interesting. But if if they're wrong on Daniel Jones, it, it's hard to, you know, he's one of those players that makes it really hard right now because I know I have my strong takes and he was not at the top of my quarterback board. He wasn't number two. He wasn't number three. And, you know, a lot of people I've had on the show from Matt Wallman to Sig Bloom to so many others and so many guys I read and respect were, you know, late round one, early round two at best. You know, you hear that and then, you know, you hear the NFL takes and the NFL apparently was much, much higher on Daniel Jones than I think the media and the draft Twitter community was. And a lot of it sounded like the NFL had Daniel Jones a header of Dwayne Haskins. And I just don't see that. I think they could have got Josh Allen and then got Daniel Jones if they really wanted to. So I think that was a really big uh, mishap. I think the Raiders, uh, I don't love what the Raiders did. I think Farrell was a little bit of a reach with definitely a reach at four. Uh, I love the Josh Jacobs pick, but then, you know, taking a box safety like Abram, I thought was very questionable. I think Carl Joseph showed growth last year and seemed to turn around his career. So I thought there was other ways they could have went with there. So I think the Raiders and the Giants are the ones that I still, uh, I think, are most questionable. And for me, I like Washington and the Broncos most. Awesome. Well, thanks again for inviting me. I really appreciate it. It was great catching up. And it's really cool to see you guys, uh, you know, it's Saturday to Sunday. It's you know, having that connection with you guys for a few years now, it's like you started off at a college level and then you like had a master's degree. And now like you guys are operating at a PhD level. And just when <laughs> I listen to your, I listen to your podcast and it just, the, the, the polish and the, the content has just gotten better and better and better and better. And it's just absolutely one of my favorite listens. Um, you know, I've pared down my, my pods and I used to listen to, you know, 15, 18 pods. And now I listen to like three and, and you guys are a must listen. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's great to reconnect and, and touch base and have a little fun. Well, thank you for those kind words. You know you always have a home here. Anytime you want to hop on the pod uh, and be involved, it is always waiting for you here at Saturday to Sunday. Guys, make sure you're following Bill on Twitter. Uh, Bill, what's your handle again? Let everybody know. At Bill Latin. There you go. It's very simple. Guys, if you're enjoying what we do, please rate, review, subscribe, and download. Best way uh, for us to continue to grow. If you have been interested in the coverage that I've been providing on Twitter and what Matt and I have been putting out in samples of it, please get over to the website. Still not too late to for $9.99. You get the premium notebooks. For the scouting notebook, you get over 100 player profiles, strengths, weaknesses, how they win, scheme fits, all that stuff. You get the rankings notebook, which has all our rankings, pre-draft, our tiers. It's going to have our dynasty rookie rankings. I'm going to have that 
updated tomorrow based on the guys who've been selected. And then we'll add to it after day three as well. You get the freshman notebook, which will launch by the end of the month, which will have scouting profiles in the top 40 incoming freshmen. And then you get the draft projections notebook, which while we only have one day left in the draft, it has over notes on over 400 players. Uh, if you've been following along on the projected tabs in night one, I projected 25 out of 32 correctly. A little bit of a step back after last year, 28 out of 32. But tonight, 87 out of 102 in that tab. So we improved by two there. Last year, it was 85. So we bumped it up to 87 in the first three rounds this year. So we'll see if tomorrow we can get to that 202 number, which was the magic number last year. So guys, hopefully you've been following along. The feedback has been great. The support has been great. And I know Matt and I and Dave greatly appreciate it. So on behalf of Bill, on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound and tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, enjoy the final day of the NFL Draft. And we'll be back to recap it all tomorrow and look forward to taking you from Saturday to Sunday.